Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How about that intro? Good morning, grappling fans. It is Wednesday, which means it is time for another episode of Who's Number One. It's me, your host, back in the office in Austin HQ, Welcome Chase back, Smith. Chase. Uh, joined today by a full cast. We have my friend here on the right, Hal Teague, Ryan Smith in the back, who shot and edited that epic intro clip, which we'll get to in just a moment. And uh, I first need to introduce Ricardo Amendolia with those sweet-ass glasses on and Michael Sears calling down from Brazil. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we all doing? Ricardo, what's going on with the sunglasses? Ah, uh, man, I'm just recovering from this jiu-jitsu hangover. What about this weekend, guys? <laughs> oh, it's my God. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, no. Get him off the call. Pull him out of here. That is an epic dad joke, I got to say. Nice. Nicely done, Ricardo. <laughs> but, uh, hangover. Speaking of hangover, how are you feeling about your travel back from Korea, Chase? Oh, man. Ryan and I had a long way home. That's a 14-hour flight from Seoul back to Detroit, which is seemingly the main hub back to the U.S. skipping a jump. is nothing. And then back to Austin. So, yeah, the jet lag is real, but uh, the job must go on. The show must continue. And I I have to say that was a a hell of a weekend, man. Ryan and I were at Spider, but we also had great events in Hawaii and in the U.K. with Fight to Win and Grapple Fest. And, man, my head is spinning. I'm still recovering. Absolutely. Well, I got to say it was fun for us because we were watching it live. Uh, Ricardo uh, was in Canada. Uh, Michael was in Brazil. I was here in Texas. All of us were watching live. And I I, I don't think I've watched 24 hours jujitsu straight for – I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, But that's exactly what I did last weekend. It was amazing. Um, real quick here before we get okay. too caught up in everything, we should definitely remind you all that we have a Who's Number One live event on the way. Michael Sears, can you give me an update on where that stands? Uh, it's still uh, February 8th, Costa Mesa, California at the uh, the Hangar at the Orange County Fairgrounds. Uh, we're, we're, uh, all the fights are finalized uh, besides the Black Belt main event, and we're going to start rolling those out. I mean, probably next week we'll be able to uh, start announcing some fights, some color belt fights I think people are going to be really excited about. It's going to be real cool. Same week as Kids Pan, so if you're going there, you can get tickets and check it out at night and i believe the tickets are now available so if you want to go and watch it live if you're gonna be in southern california that weekend go to flow grappling t-i-x flow grappling and you'll be able to uh to secure your spot because this is going to be an historic event right mike yeah yeah i mean it's uh our first live event and it's uh you know we're, we're matching up the best color belts in the world against each other we're gonna have a mega main event with black belts but you know, give the color belt some shine, you know, uh, give them some promotion and get to see the next generation go at it on the big stage. Fight the Wind is going to be doing the promotion. It's going to be really cool. 
So I only found this out yesterday as well, but there's going to be a ton of undercard matches too, right? We're going to actually have like a lot of local guys. There's going to be around about uh, 15 to 20 undercard uh, matches featuring uh, a, a ton of local talent too. So this is actually really cool because, you know, the who's number one aspect, the ranking showdown is kind of like, you know, what we're selling it on. But it's it's also, it's just a really good showcase of jujitsu. Yes, yeah, that's going to have his own undercard with uh, fight to win rules. Then we'll switch to IBJJF rules for last score criteria for our event. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool. We're going to have a press conference the day before with weigh-ins streamed online. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff going on showcasing these athletes. Yeah, I cannot wait for who's number one. It's definitely an exciting development for upcoming jiu-jitsu athletes, and I'm I'm super happy to be a part of that. Uh, Moving on because we have so much to cover here. If you guys haven't noticed, we debuted very recently a new feature in our rankings, always trying to add depth there, and we've debuted the official team rankings. Very cool with no gi, uh, men's black belt gi, and female gi as well as a combined ranking for for the gi rankings and some interesting uh some interesting results there michael can you uh maybe tease a little bit of what went down there before we get going into the spider recap uh yeah we're gonna uh, add even more eventually uh probably when i get back to town next week we'll have all the different color belts ranked by team and then one overall for the gi just uh, but uh yeah we're just going through like right now it's sort of interesting to look at the the gi one because it's just black belt tournaments obviously are all the belts combined so seeing who's got the best black belt team and it's all just based on where their athletes are in the individual ranking so i believe atos was first no gi and alliance first gi so no big surprise there but it's pretty interesting i don't know actually i kind of for me it is a little bit of surprise i'm not sure if i expected atos to be number one no gi well look at all the look at all the adcc champs they had they had basilio they had jt they had kainan then you got galvao in there in the rankings as well so they got you got Tyro Otolo in the mix. They got a lot of good Nogi athletes. Hmm. Yeah, Hanger, for me, what I, what I was Hanger, like, Hanger's highly ranked too. I think I was more surprised by the fact that Alliance were like number one of both the, uh, the 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 male and the female gi because uh, you know we made a big point of saying the last couple of years the other teams have been kind of chipping away their supremacy, but they, they're still right there at the top, right? Yeah, hard to argue yeah, with they, the, the results. They have a, they have a lot of. Uh, Highly ranked people at uh, at Blackwell. They got Lepre's number one, Marigali is number one, but then they have you know just a bunch of other guys, Bruno, Tinoco, Isaac Doderline. They have a bunch of guys in like the three to five range as well. And then uh, at female, they have like you know Gabby Garcia is ranked high, Toledo. I'm sure there's some other people I'm leaving out, but yeah, they have a really strong black belt team. Very nice. Uh, yeah, good stuff. If you guys haven't seen the team rankings, you can navigate to flowgrappling.com and find those out of the numerous rankings that we have available for you guys. But uh, let's not delay any further. Got a lot to get through. On the top of my mind, uh, let's talk Spider. Man, what an incredible event. Ryan, you were, you were there as well with me in Korea. Can you describe the atmosphere, you know, what it was like to be in that arena? Because it was something special for sure. It was unbelievable, man. They're, um, like the production value that they put on in Korea at Spider was uh, unbelievable. And those guys for $100,000 came out fighting. And uh, we got to see Kynan take down some of the best in the sport on his way to number one. Yeah, an impressive Ryan, run. Ryan, let me ask you a question. Did, did you maintain your gallon of milk per day, or did you have to uh, take it down a notch? <laughs> I did, man, I did. <laughs> Every meal, I was trying to you, get my you milk still in. You still did a, a gallon of milk. Oh, my man. <laughs> the, the athletes were impressed. They're like, this guy trains harder than we do out here. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, it was so fun, man. Spider takes great care of all, all the athletes and the media as well. Um, it's such an integrated event, and what I mean by that is – you know, we're being shuttled around, bussed around to all these different locations, whether we're doing a, like a photo shoot or doing interviews, 
doing the weigh-ins, you know, everything's taken care of, and we're eating great the entire time. At least we, I mean, the media is. The athletes, some of them are cutting weight. You know, those guys, some of them didn't eat for almost a day. Yeah, man, that looked pretty brutal because everything I saw from you, you guys' Instagram story was you're out for dinner, this beautiful Korean barbecue, and then, you know, there were guys like Edwin, Gabriel, Matthias Luz who were cutting massive amounts of weight. That must have sucked. Yeah, it was, it, Friday was tough. And so uh, for those of you who didn't follow the, the Instagram stories along, there was a ton of things to do the day before the event. I mean, we started going at 9 in the morning with a, like, a, like a breakfast and a, an orientation meeting. Then we did a rules meeting. And then we, we – uh, man, what else did we do, Ryan? We went to lunch after that. Mm-hmm. And then we had to go drive to the venue, which is an hour away. Then there was like a, a walkthrough of the event. Mm-hmm. And then they finally got the way in around 7 o'clock that night. They have been cutting weight all day long. Some had been on weight, you know, for four or five hours by that point And were very ready to eat some food. But – yeah, it was it was a great time. I had an amazing, amazing trip there. Yeah. What did you guys think about the jujitsu out there? I rewatched all the matches this morning. It was a ton of daily heva, huh? Everybody, basically, everybody was using daily heva out there. Yeah, the jujitsu was okay, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably my second favorite event of the year, just behind ADCC. Um, very rarely do you have like such stacked brackets, just with nothing else. There's no fluff, no extras, no undercard. And you know, while I appreciate those things, sometimes it was just amazing from the get-go um but yeah i didn't see that much hyper modern jiu-jitsu i think anderson muniz did a lot of like, cool lapel stuff in his match with rodolfo uh, a great showing from him and rodolfo you know that was, was a legend in action there you know some people are saying oh he's not as sorry michael go ahead i couldn't believe he hit that i couldn't believe he hit that tilt sweep on, on rodolfo i've seen him hit it on roberto jimenez and connor d'angelis and i couldn't believe that he got it off up like how strong is anderson jeez that yeah guy that was really impressive but i mean to be honest uh, i i loved watching rodolfo compete and you know he he came out in his first match i think that rodolfo had uh possibly you know one of the best first round matches that he could hope for because obviously he had a brown belt the only brown belt in that bracket and it was a, a good tune-up for him because this is somebody who's been off the gi scene for a long time right but I, I gotta say that as good as Adolfo looked and he did look great against Kynan as well he looked very very solid but he looked rusty you know and I think one of the biggest things that stood out for me was the fact that Adolfo um he didn't he wasn't quite pulling the trigger like he used he used to do you know uh Rodolfo used to come out he used to grab you he used to throw you on your head he used to pass your guard take your back and choke you out you know or yeah. he just used to just steamroll guys and what i noticed was that he was letting people set their grips he was staying there in the position while the guys were setting up their single leg x or putting the lasso in getting all the grips that they needed and then fighting from there and, and I think, that if anything, that was the biggest signal for me that Adolfo hasn't been in the gi as much as he had. Because I think that if he had uh, been a little more active on the scene, then he, he wouldn't have even been in those positions. Anderson wouldn't have even been able to sweep him. He would have been steamrolling it, you know? Well, something that I stood think, out to um, me, he got to X guard with the two pants grips on uh, Kynan. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a sweep. Adolfo's going to sweep here for sure. X guard with both pant grips. And, yeah, he wasn't able to get it, get the finish, but. I think uh, getting back to what Hal was saying too is, you know, Adolfo is known for incredible pressure, not just physical pressure, but the pace, you know, putting on that pace. He's usually ahead of things. And in his matches, I'm not saying he was behind, but he was more like reactionary as opposed to proactive in a lot of the, the initiations there. So he wasn't dictating the pace of those matches. And I think that's why it looked a little off to see him compete there. But I mean, he beat Anderson, got the submission first round. 
he had kind of a competitive match against Kynan, so props to him for taking all that time off, coming back at a high-level event. Now, we've hey, got a, a ton of assets that uh, we want to share here, and I think the best way to describe Spider in a nutshell is the very first match we had uh, Jonathan Alves versus Jamil, and man, what, what a way to open the show. You know, Jonathan came out and just... Man, yeah, let's roll incredible. that clip. So let's man, roll this clip here. Th this this blew me away. I did not imagine this match to go down like yeah. this. You know, this dude's got a bl uh, bright future, man. Jonathan Alves. I mean, uh, bold move on bold move on Jamil's part to try and bolo him to double pull and try and bolo Jonathan. But I mean, this guy's got I one of the cleanest bolos in the game. Uh, it's just incredible the way that, that this is the first time I've ever seen anybody flip the Baron Bolo in that way as well. Because as Jamil boloed. Uh, Jonathan went with it, but he managed to kind of get that inside position, and and then he was on the hips, and he was on the back, and it was done. But I, no way did I ever imagine that Jonathan Alves would tap out Jamil in the space of a minute. I mean, I'm not sure. Oh. Ryan, could you actually do us a favor? Could you pull up Jamil's competition record? Because I'm pretty sure that's the first time Jamil's ever been tapped out of black belt. Yep. How old is he now? 19, 20? How old is Jonathan Alves? Jonathan's 20, right? I think he's 20, but... Don't don't quote me on that. But either way, bright future. Just got his black belt uh, opened hey, up. Chase, before we before we move on from Hadolfo, one question I wanted to ask you: Did did he uh, say anything on the ground? Did he imply whether he's going to do more gi tournaments or not? Did he did he mention that at all? Uh, it didn't seem very conclusive. I think his focus is definitely okay. MMA. Um, but who knows? You know, he, he's uh, it seems like he's open to making more money, and <laughs> there's money to be had. You know, Spider had a hundred thousand dollars on the line there, so. I would love it. I mean, I'm sure we all would to, to see him. Oh, I'd, love, I'd love it, yeah. Well, Ricardo, you'll probably uh, agree with this, but, you know, Adolfo was from a generation, right, when there weren't as many opportunities to make money in jiu-jitsu as there are now. So he left to do MMA, which was kind of the traditional path for a lot of those guys. Uh, Damian Maia did it, Jacques Array did it, and Adolfo did it. But uh, nowadays, you've got jiu-jitsu athletes who they've, they've got no desire or, or plans whatsoever to move to MMA, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, that was that was the goal back in the day. And I think back in the day, jiu-jitsu training and MMA training were a lot closer. It'd be very uh, common to see people training MMA at jiu-jitsu gyms. But, you know, somewhere I think around 10, 12 years ago, there was a definitive split between jiu-jitsu and MMA training. So now jiu-jitsu athletes focus just on that. And now with the uprising of events and opportunities and, you know, bigger cash payouts like Spider and other events like that, you know, people can have a legit future just competing. If you notice, Hodolfo was very selective of when he comes back to compete in jiu-jitsu. He did the Black Belt CBD event uh, about a year or two ago. That was for another big cash prize. And then this one, 100K on the line. So he's being very choosy because he has a UFC career on the back end. But, you know, definitely times are changing once again in the, in the combat sports world. So Hodolfo didn't get into the rankings at all from, from, from Spider, right? Yeah, I think no, Mike I mean, can speak to that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, obviously he's on that level, but I mean he only has had one win in the last year, and it's against Anderson, who's a brown belt. So it's hard to hard to rank him off of that, right? I mean, obviously he looked neck and neck with the top heavyweight, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's time yet. Maybe he does another match or something. Guys, I just found the uh, Jamil Hill, and yeah, that was the first time he's been submitted as black belt. Wow, impressive stat there for Jonathan. How you just pulled something up. Uh, what, what are you looking at over there? Yeah, so um, obviously the, the spider had massive um, ramifications for the rankings. Um, had 
in the both pound for pound and in the weight divisions as well. And uh, obviously, Jamil is a featherweight and Jonathan is a lightweight. But based on that performance over the weekend, Jonathan jumped up from number nine in the lightweight rankings to number five. And um, the pound for pound as well, there was kind of a lot of movement in the pound for pound rankings as well. I think one of the, the, the biggest names who jumped up and he jumped up a massive 13 places mm. was Levi Jones Leary. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Kainan so far. I mentioned some other athletes, Rodolfo and uh, Jonathan, but Levi Jones Leary should absolutely get some of the shine here. He looked incredible, defeated two current world champions on his road to $100,000 and become the well, king of Keens. I believe you have an asset here too for Levi. Um, if you want to find yeah. him out there, Caleb, this is his match here with Gabriel Larges coming through. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a big one for him as far as the pound for pound goes because he beat the middleweight world champion, right? He beat number one at middleweight. So this this factors in big pound for pound. And I think Levi was a little bit low because he had stumbled lately. He got knee barred at the World Pro and double DQ'd at Worlds. But before that, he was on fire. So he has the Euros and the Pans win. And then this win. Remember, he beat, Le- he beat Lepre at, at Euros too. So, I mean, I think... Man, that's a roller coaster right, year man. right there, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, but finishing yeah. on, a, on a high. So Yeah, I, I, I had, a, had a chance to hang out with Levi quite a bit over the weekend. We did a few interviews, and there was a common theme there throughout the time we spent together, which was, you know, he's very aware of the ups and downs. Some guys, I feel like they, they shut out any losses and they refuse to acknowledge them. You know, they, they try and keep this sort of perfection state of mind. Levi embraces that roller coaster. He says, you know, you got to ride the tide. Sometimes things don't go your way, but it's it's important to be honest with yourself and it's okay to have doubts. You know, his post uh, event interview was all about overcoming doubts and, and using those to be uh, stronger in the future, knowing that he's gone over these hardships, that he's had tough losses and uh, he's still coming back and beating the best in the world. So, Well, he beat two current world champions in that run. Okay, He yeah. had three matches, yeah. and it was Gabriel Arges, Matthias Lutz, and Matthias Gabriel. And, uh, and Matthias Gabriel is another guy who jumped up in the pound-for-pound rankings. He's moved up from 11 to number 7. Uh, right now, he's the, the, the most recent 2019 IBJJF featherweight world champion. As you said, Gabriel yeah, Arges, yeah. two-time yeah. IBJJF middleweight world champion. Mm-hmm. So Levi had to take out two world champions to win that prize. It's pretty impressive. By the way, this little sweep that Levi uh, uh, did right there from Mateus Gabriel, we have a very interesting breakdown coming, and I'll, I'll reveal a little bit of a teaser there. He knew Mateus was going to go for that inversion, that roll, because he had studied tape, and he learned the move himself, and he even said that he does it himself now, just because he strictly watched it and learned it because he, he had bet, banked on Mateus Gabriel being one of the matches he's going to have at Spider. Smart kid. So, um, These guys... These guys are going to give me a heart attack with the double pulls. Oh, I know. We were, I was sitting there. I'm like, what do we do with the $100,000 if they get double DQ? Yeah, like, yeah what exactly. Happens? What do we just give it to one of the other guys? Uh, well, remember Mateus Gabriel got DQ'd for that at Pans as a brown belt. I think they, yep. remember they gave Cole Franson the, the title. And then, yes. obviously, Levi Worlds. I was like, these guys are going to do it again. They pulled it off. But something that uh, that really stood out to me was Levi's uh, semifinal against Mateus Lutz, where it's like he just ditched his normal game plan, went right to close guard flower sweeps it. It made me wonder because remember they were teammates for a few years. I wonder if he if he had some intel. He's like, I'm going to play close guard against Mateus, you know, because it was like he did the opposite of what he always does. He did say that. Um, sorry, go ahead, Ricardo. Jump in. No, there. I was going to say intel or not. When you you know you're facing a guy that's such a wild passer, the Rottweiler they call him, Mateus Lutis. You got to slow that guy down. So going to close guard is a is a very smart strategy. So. If he had intel, you know, that maybe he could get him with that flower switch, which I will be doing a breakdown on very soon. Very um, nice. You know, that, that's, yeah, props to him. But, yeah, I think it's just a smart strategy. Mateus is just so fast, so aggressive. 
We saw that flying knee pass attempt earlier on in the in the event there. So uh, Levi knew that, locked him up, held him in the close guard, swept him, took his back, and you know won from there. Man, I got to say, though, give a quick shout out to the uh, Mateus Gabriel as well, because he had a, a great run to get into the final. Um, he was one of the smaller guys in the bracket, and he beat uh, Edwin Najmi in the opening round. And then Jonathan Alves with that last, literally last second sweep right at the end of their yeah. match. For the advantage, not for the sweep points. Fought, and he, it was a he, he bit of a con- yeah, three. That's a great point. He's a yeah. weight class below there. No, Mateus Gabriel is killer, and uh, you know, slowly climbing up that pound for pound ranking to number seven. But uh, yeah, it was really impressive. But there's a. Uh, what about the heavyweights, Chase? Well, well I mean, I think all I, I. While we're on the while we're on the close guard topic, one thing I, I learned about watching Conor Duarte is you cannot move that guy in close guard. Every single match, people put him in close guard, and he just gets both the lapels and immovable. Like it was a bad place to be against him for sure. His base is absolutely unshakable. I think he has the best balance out of any person I've ever seen. I, I can even talk about a dinner we were at where we sat down and someone tried to kick the chair out. He was wobbling all over the place, landed like a cat. You, you he, he's never going to put his butt on the ground, ever, I swear to God. So, so it falls out of a chair, doesn't even get an advantage. It's like, wow. No points. No points so, awarded. We but, have um, a couple assets about guys moving up from the before we move on from 76. We had the Levi Jones and Mateus Gabriel uh, graphics of them, uh, where they went to the to in the bring them up. Account. Yeah, let, let's show the rankings moving here. There's Mateus Gabriel taking a number seven spot there. Well, well deserved number seven. I mean, this guy. I mean, he he's got an argument for top five if he just wins a little bit more. He's he's killing it, man. Unbelievable first year as a black belt. And then you guys uh, number six. And that's sorry to interrupt. But you guys caught the. Uh... The Bouchesha Instagram story uh, live last night. He said one of his dream matches would be to see Mateus Gabriel and Hafa Mendez. Not saying that oh, wow. you know they could fight or are gonna fight, but he said that if you could just pick a couple of dream matches like Jacare against Rodolfo, he said it would be Mateus Gabriel against Hafa Mendez. So I thought that that was. I like Very that. And you know why I like that? I like that because what we saw at uh, Spider last week with Kynan, who's 22 uh, or 21, uh, up against. Um, Adolfo, who's only 30, but those guys are literally generations apart in jiu-jitsu, right? And Mateus Gabriel, who's, who's, he's 22, sorry, and Hafa Mendez, who's around about 30, it's the same deal, right? I mean, Hafa's already retired. He's off the scene, and Mateus is coming through, and those guys have never had the chance to fight each other. You know, I'm sure that Hafa was a multiple-time world champion black belt while Mateus was still in the color belt ranks. So it's, it's kind of like one of those dream matches. We got to see it with Kainan versus Adolfo last weekend. I'd love to see the same thing happen with somebody like Mateus Gabriel and Hafa Mendez. Absolutely. I think we got a we got an asset here to to promote Kynan a little bit. Uh, man, what what a run. So it starts off facing uh, Leandro Lowe in a rematch of the World Championships final there. And oh, Le- that guillotine attempt. Ah, oh, man, I thought he had Leandro Dude, for a second. His arm and guillotine is nasty. I love it. It's such a good weapon for him. Now, he got an advantage for that guillotine, and I think this is uh, really important to discuss because it feeds into the, the talk about what the final a little bit later. But, man, I've, I've been asking the referees about guillotines because I've noticed that the referees are really inconsistent as to when they hand out advantages for guillotines. And that one against Leandro did get the guillotine, uh, did get the advantage. And um, it's uh, we can just go into it a little bit deeper later on, but I'll explain all about it. But this here... This is what I want to point out. There was the sweep that Kynan hit on Rodolfo when he does the leg lace, the inside Sankaku from mm-hmm. bottom and then comes up the top. I think we should just call it the Gordon Ryan sweep, right? But that that was very, very smart from Kynan. 
Yeah, I mean, Kynan's yeah, got an impressive strategy. He never made a misstep once, um, basically this entire year. <laughs> His pressure from top passing against Hadolfo right here as well. Hadolfo could not shift him, right? He looked so good from top. Yeah, he settled. He came up off that sweep and settled right into a nice little knee cut position. And yeah, he's he's like he looked unsweepable this weekend. Nobody nobody could score on him. And three tough matches, man. What a what a, what a route! Like Leandro Lowe, Adolfo Marigali. It doesn't get much tougher than that. You just basically you got to put Buchecha in there as the only upgrade you could do. I mean, it's well. I think that's I why see. that's why Kainen has now jumped from number four to number one in the pound for pound gi rankings, right? I think that's. I think nobody can argue with that. Like, literally, let's pull it up because, you know, right there, like, you got the big shiny helmet and, you know, the $100,000 prize. Don't lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they have to order an extra large helmet for his head? Because he does have a big head. Those <laughs> things were so heavy, dude. They were 20 pounds. Wow. You know, when they put them on, you can see their heads shift forward because it was, they weren't expecting it's, it's, all that it's weight. It's a good neck workout. Yeah, it's exactly. That <laughs> kind of needs to be any stronger. Uh, if I won that helmet, I'd just walk around at home wearing that. <laughs> Well, they, they nickname, uh, Kynan has a nickname of Thanos. So I'd be wonder if somebody's going to make a meme of Thanos with his helmet next to Kynan yeah. with his spider helmet and do some comparisons there. I hope that happens. How, I truly hope someone's out there watching. That, how you say nobody can argue uh, with uh, Kynan being number one, but I beg to differ. A lot of people, uh, or not a lot of people, but a few people were upset with it. But I mean, if you look at this guy's year, 35 with The result against Marigali, you mean? Yeah, uh, no, with him being, just being pound for pound number one. Really? Uh, there was even some people emailing me saying Nicholas should still be be because of the Brasileiro tap. But uh, dude, thirty five and four this year. If you think about it, the amount of wins that Nicholas, Leandro, and Buchecha have this year put together is thirty seven. Kynan has thirty five himself. So active, he won four out of the five major gi tournaments, and then he goes and he wins uh, probably the toughest gi tournament of the year in the Spider Invitational. I think he's a clear number one in my opinion. Yeah, he took out Leandro Lowe, legendary uh, IBJJF Hall of Famer. Rodolfo Vieira, IBJJF Hall of Famer, Nicholas Marigali, two-time IBJJF World Champion, and the previous number one in the pound for pound rankings. If that doesn't earn you the number one spot in the pound for pound rankings, what does? Yeah, you, you have when to reward the work four. rate. You know, I, I think um, there's no denying that perfection is something that we put on a, a pedestal uh, very deservedly. You know, Bushesh is untouchable, for example. But yeah, but really see him once a year. Too. Exactly. Which had to so, lost to Joao Gabriel this year too. Everybody's got a loss this year. That's that's also a good point. But the fact that Kynan did almost every single major tournament coming out on top except for just one, what can you say to that? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I, yeah. I think the only I think the only thing you could say is that we need to settle this. We have yeah. the current Bushesha, the king, against the new up and coming number one. Let's put them together and see who's number one. I want to see a super fight. Bushesha and Kynan in the gi. Somebody make this happen. Never yeah. happened in the gi. Uh, remember, Kynan beat him at ADCC. Uh, it's never happened in the gi. I would love to see that matchup. And Kynan's just getting better and better, man. All right, so we're playing the clip right here. Marigali versus Kynan. Very, very controversial decision there. You know, uh, our Instagram blew up. I'm sure everyone's email blew up out there. A lot of people thought Marigali took the win. I, on the ground thought Marigali took the win but I, I when I rewatched the match at home I think it's a lot closer than a, a one-time viewing actually shows should we go around the table and, yeah. uh, and ask everybody who they thought won oh yeah go for it I think actually after reviewing the tape I think kind of uh, took the win I'll tell you why because Marigali did a lot more he worked a lot harder in some senses but I don't know if he got any closer to sweeping mm -hmm. 
um, Kynan than Kynan did to passing him. I think Kynan's pass was actually significantly closer and a more critical moment. And so to me, you know, it's it's a zero zero match. Um, it's very hard to call, but I think if if you had to put one criteria, uh, the person who gets the closest to actually completing something maybe should take the win there. Ryan, who do you think took it? Yeah, when on the ground, uh, I at first thought Marigali took it, and then after looking at the tape, yeah, it, uh, exactly what Chase said. You know, Marigali worked really hard, almost swept him a couple times, but Kynan's balance is incredible. Hmm. Powell? Okay, all right, yeah, put me out there. So I kind of feel the same way. At the time, I thought that there was a clear win for Marigali, but... Um, having watched the tape back i kind of revised my opinion as well but i'm going to say this that i don't think it should have been a zero zero split decision oh i don't think it should have been zero zero i think kind of should have won by one advantage for the guillotine and this is go back to what i was talking about earlier so he got the guillotine uh, the advantage for the guillotine in the match with uh, with leandro but he didn't get the advantage in the match with marigali but like I said, I, I, I talked about this uh, with some IBJJF referees earlier this year because I noticed that some guillotines were getting advantages and others were not. And I wanted to know why. And they said that the guillotine is one of those positions where you can have it wrapped up and it can look really deep, but the actual threat of submission is not that high. It's more like a front headlock controlling position, right? And it's only when the guy is really like has to bring the, the, the arm from underneath his chin to escape the submission that that's when they consider it to be a legit advantage. Now, the way that Marigali was backing out of that guillotine, the way that he was hand fighting and, and struggling to get out of it, obviously I'm not as close as the referee, but for what I am saw, I thought it was potentially worth it, but obviously the referee chose to disagree. But... I just don't think it should have been 0-0. And I also think we should make a point of the fact that I really didn't like the fact that they allowed a, a, a major final like that to even go to a 0-0 decision. Like, there should have been some kind of overtime criteria or what have you that just maybe just should have put a, a definitive end to that match. Interesting. Before we yeah. get Ricardo and Michael's picks, Ryan, uh, I'm sure there's some spicy comments coming through on YouTube and Facebook now. Feel free to shout them out, you know, if anyone has a question or interesting feedback there for that match. I know it's a very passionate uh, topic of discussion for a lot of people out there. All right, Michael, you're up next. Uh, let me get your pick on who took the win there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Hal that, like, in a, in a match of that scale where they're just having their own event and they can make whatever rules, there should have been some sort of overtime or something. Because getting 100 grand on 0 0 is uh, sort of anticlimactic. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to uh, dissent here and say I would have gone with Nicholas. I mean, I know my opinion is basically worth nothing here because everybody considers me to be a Marigali homer already. But uh, I, I, but at the same time, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. I mean, or any types of ref's decision. I said the same thing when Keenan lost to Gaugio. It's like, you know, it can't. It, it's a ref's decision. It can't be that big of a screw job. And I, I know Nicholas doesn't want to win by a ref's decision or by points. He wants to win by submission, so... I mean, I think, you know, he's just got to next time go out there and, and not leave it up to the judges because, I mean, it's, it's very subjective, a ref's decision. Yeah, I would have leaned towards that one out of the three thought that, that, yeah, that Marigali yeah. won and the other two thought it was Kynan. So that shows how I, close it was, right? I, I would have leaned towards Nicholas. I don't know if I would have given an advantage for that guillotine, but, I mean, that guard pass that guard pass was good and he had the guillotine attempt, but besides those few seconds, I feel like Nicholas was the aggressor for most of the match. I would have leaned towards Nicholas, but, I mean, my – my opinion always on ref decisions is whatever. There's no screw job in a ref decision. I mean, what do you think, Ricardo? 
So there's a couple things. Uh, I dug deep into this after because I knew this was a pretty compelling subject. And initially I was kind of like, well, that was close. So I wanted to let it marinate a little bit, go back. I actually I looked at the IBJJF rulebook and that if you really go and dig into the rulebook, you go watch the IBJJF videos that they have for scoring. They're amazing. It will help you understand um, what happened. So let's look at it this way. Essentially, there was three sweep attempts against two guard passes and a guillotine attempt. Now, there was a second guard pass. I feel like I'm talking like a JFK conspiracy theorist here, but you can't see one of the guard pass attempts because the camera zoomed in really close at the same time. But Kynan had two guard pass attempts. He punches an underhook, tries a knee cut. As the camera zoomed up, he backed out. So there was two guard passes, which would have been potentially six points. Marigali had three sweep attempts, which could have been six points, but Kynan had the guillotine attempt. If Kynan wasn't known for being a guillotine master, then I would say the guillotine uh, you know, position meant nothing. But we all know Kynan has a really nasty guillotine. The referee, I think it was uh, Ricardo Bastos, he knows Kynan has a really good guillotine. So he has to make a mental note of that. Also, when Marigali, I'm going to stop yelling because I got some criticism about this last week, but when Marigali uh, tried the sweep attempts, they weren't sweep attempts. They were positional off-balances. There's a big difference. He got to the position. He adjusted and off-balance Kynan, but he never got on top. The sweep is scored when the bottom player changes the top position. Now, if the top player puts him back on the mat, it's an advantage, but that never even happened. So it's kind of stupid that we're arguing about stuff that didn't even warrant advantages. You know what I mean? So at bottom line... I, you know, I had some Alliance friends of mine online. They were all yelling at me saying, no, oh, you know, Marigali was robbed. I think robbed is a little excessive. It was a close match. But I've even asked other world champions, Kynan's opponents, and I, they will remain nameless. And they said that Kynan won. So there you go. Hmm. Interesting. All right. About the officiating, can I just ask one thing, though? All right. What did you guys think? Because I'm sure this was brought up on the ground. You spoke to Guy Mendez. But the match with Mateus and Jonathan Alves the mm. foot in the back of the collar. Now, Mendez made a, a post about this on Instagram shortly after about how the, the foot in the back of the collar was a, a really a, a kind of a, a thing that, you know, was used in the match. And, and it kind of, it didn't just happen like briefly. It was really impeding Alves's forward progress. But it's actually a serious foul under the IPGGF rules, right? So, like, did you guys discuss that on the ground? Did it, did it come up? You know, I got to say... Um when you're out there filming and working, it's hard to sometimes catch those those gripping details. I often have to go back and watch uh, matches several times to, uh, at home to make sure I understand exactly what happened. So in the moment, I did not see the the behind the neck lapel, but the footage shows it clear as day. And that was, of course, the pivotal moment there at the end where um, Mateus got the advantage to win the match. So it's hard to really dispute that being a problem. I mean, it was right there. So. Yeah, I mean, it affected the outcome of the match, and I'd be furious too because it's it's very clear, clearly written rule. And, and you know the crazy thing is the IBJJF, they literally put a video on their YouTube channel. Now, obviously, this is not an IBJJF tournament, but they use the rules, right? Mm-hmm. But they put a video on their YouTube channel like two weeks ago with a, a really very, like, let's call it an idiot's guide because they made it as simple as possible to understand a breakdown of serious fouls 
in jujitsu under their rule system. And it included everything from gripping inside the gi to white belts, jumping guard, and head on the outside. You name it, it was in there. And one of the things was in there, clear as day, was exactly that scenario, the foot in the back of the collar. Yeah, you know, I think the moment was unintentional too by Mateus. He's well, scrambling, okay, yeah, you know, John, Jonathan is really trying to move fast and it was the end of the match. Everyone, everyone's, you know, working hard there. Well, this is also important to note in the video that, the, you know, I'm not going to say that Mateus did it on purpose. I mean, he's fighting to keep his guard. You're going to do whatever it takes, right? But the referee, the, I'm going to throw the referee under the bus because why didn't they pick it up? Why didn't the referee notice that a serious foul was occurring like three feet in front of him? Why didn't he, you know, take that foot out of the collar like they do when the gear is uh, open and the foot gets stuck like in the armpit, which had happened earlier? Why didn't the referee address that and let, you know, and, and let that match play out the way it did? Hey, yeah. Uh, with that logic, yeah. Before we move on from Spider, let's, let's, let's touch on, on the elephant in the room. What the hell is wrong with Herbert? What was that? <laughs> I mean, how many times is he going to do this? How many chances is he going to get? I mean, seriously, how many guys out there in jiu-jitsu, this is $100,000 on the line, how many guys out there would like to have that opportunity and would like to have had that spot and be able to change their life with that 100000 He just shows up and quits and looks at the ref. I mean, would you, do you think anybody else in the bracket would have quit by getting kicked We got, we got right this there? video, actually, right? Can we play that, the Herbert video? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing for sure, you know, and uh, I'm sure Calisans would have liked to, to face Marigali. I don't think yeah. he would have given up. Yeah, um, ask Patrick Alger or Mateus Denise if they would have liked to be in this bracket. Anybody, you know, right, but, and then he goes the, out there and wastes his butt. As much as, you know, you're questioning why was Urbeth even invited if he's going to pull this kind of crap, but... Can I just say that Urbeth looked a lot better than I was expecting him to? He looked amazing. He was doing really well against Marigali up until this point right here. This was the moment right yeah, there. Right so there. what what it, happened right there? Why did Urbeth just suddenly like give up mid-match, start throwing his hands up and talk to the referee and refuse to fight? What the hell's going on? I mean, I think I think Herbert just does not have the like he, he needs a mental coach of some sort. He needs yeah. somebody to help him with his psychological game. What happens here? Watch the, the video. We're a little out of sync on my end, but you could see Marigali incident accidentally kind of need him in the neck. It looked like. And then that doesn't mean you stop the fight. But yeah. Yeah. that's what that's what made him lose his focus. And you know what? Herbert Bert Herbert be everything. That's just what happens, yeah. man. Like, it's like, no the, excuse, but. You know, I, I mean, I'm going to call think, BS, man. I think Tim Sprague. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call. Think it was I'm going to call BS. Or do you think it was letting go of the toehold? No, no, no. There was no knee. Let's be clear right now. You can play that tape back as many times as you want. There was absolutely no uh... knee. Herbert quit. No, simple as Herbert quit. You, think you know what? You take, you take, you take knocks. You take elbows to the face. You take knees. You take kicks. Jiu-jitsu is a contact sport. That stuff happens. But there was a knee. You there was, deal yeah, with it. There was a small knee. Well, I didn't see him get stunned. I didn't mm. see him. A small knee. A, a, a tiny little knee. It's a little knot. I, I, Man, I agree. It's, I, no, yeah, different, I agree. it's what, no different getting picked up, dumped on your head, or somebody cranking your arm or something. You just suck it up and you deal with it. That, to me, Chase, is a perfect have, example of why Urberth is literally the most inconsistent and, let's, let's, let's say this, unstable bully fighter in this game. Herbert hmm. is the kind Chase. of guy that he gives up as soon as he gets into a bad position, and that's exactly what happened there. Chase, you were right there. Was there even a submission, or did he just do, pull like a verbal tap like the World Pro? 
Um, I mean, Marigali kind of had that Americana or something on top, but it wasn't like finished. You know, he he sort of just gave he just up. Quit. Yeah, he just there was quit. no yeah. finishing. I'm, I'm, there was no submission. He, he like let Nick uh, wrap up his arm and was just like laying there. It was it was weird, and the whole crowd was kind of confused. You know, everyone was sitting around. And you like, know, Ricardo, you said that he needs like a mental coach or something. So earlier this year, after the debacle that happened at World Pro, when his gi was covered in water and it looked like he peed himself, and then you know he gave up when he like got put in a triangle that wasn't even on, uh, he went back to Brazil and he started posting a bunch of photos of him supposedly working with a therapist to do exactly that to address the mental side of his game, not working out, right? Hasn't yeah, worked. Yeah, not working. Yeah. The worst thing for his career was going and making his own team. When he was Lloyd Irvin and when he was Atos, he was unstoppable. When he had someone holding him accountable, I, I mean, I think he needs to get back with a coach, man. He's he's eight and five this year. That's his record. He's eight and five. He's verbal tapping to guys like Anton Manenko and Brino Mascarenhas, whoever that is. I mean, he's got to get it together. Or he's going to disappear. I, I just don't understand I how think you can go from tapping out like a world champion like Calasans to just like basically throwing your hands up and refusing to fight in the, in the very next match. It's like, he's the biggest wasted talent in this game. Urbeth has the potential to be potentially one of the best guys in the sport pound for pound, right? We've seen it. He's been out there. He's won the world championships. He's beaten guys like Bernardo Faria. He is a phenomenal competitor when he wants to be. Yeah. Biggest wasted talent in the game. That's all you could say. <laughs> it's, that's just, I, what are you going to, like, again, it's, 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 it's sad because you, you say wasted talent. It's exactly it. You know, you, you can't help but for, remember what he did to Bernardo Faria a few years ago. You know, one of the I'm only like, guys to bypass yeah. his deep half guard and, and tap him. Like it's just, he has so much potential, but he blows it every other event. So, it is what it is. What you, you know, like, that's just, the young men won't remember this, but Urbeth is a lot like Fernando Margarita, right? Margarita was this amazing guy from the early to the mid-2000s who was, like, considered to be one of the best guys, but then also had this story about how he just went off the rails completely and a bunch of different things happened and became, again, one of the biggest wasted talents in the sport. Right, Ricardo? Yeah, different trajectory, though. Now it's time right. for an Uncle Ricky Jiu-Jitsu history lesson here. Uh, Margarita hit the pinnacle. Here we go. Here we go. Margarita hit the pinnacle of the sport in 2001, um, winning double gold at Worlds. After that, he had a motorcycle accident. After the motorcycle accident, he tried to come back, and he never won anything. Like, maybe some small tournaments, but he never won anything. Whereas uh, Erberth hit the pinnacle, dropped up back down just up and down so it's a little bit of a different story but you're right it's it's a psychological thing you know margarita was another one of those guys that had so much potential but his career went from the highest of highs just kept going and herbert is like up and down every single event let me give you some names that herbert has beat andre galval felipe pena hamilo bahal bernardo faria muhammad ali like this, this guy's had when he was on he was on but man he's really falling apart hopefully he gets it back together I, I, I'm guys saying ready? it right now. If Urbeth had his head straight, he could literally be top three in the world pound yeah. for pound. Really, yeah. right? He could be he, right yeah, up he made, the world, he, needs, he made the world absolute final one year, didn't he? Yep. He needs he, did, yeah. he needs a good camp. He needs a coach. He needs somebody to control him. And he had that for a while at Atos. He had it at Lloyd Irvin. And that's when he was doing the best. And he needs a psychological coach. But you know what? Enough about Urbeth. Let's move on. Let's go. Grapple Fest. Let's go Grapple Fest. Yeah, yeah. Was Spider idea. was amazing, but it wasn't the only event that weekend. Um, you guys are going to have to catch me up as I was definitely dialed in on what was happening in Korea, but I did see some of the results. Grapple Fest Chaos 7, 
uh, had an amazing, amazing card with uh, guys like Craig Jones versus Adam Warzynski. The rule totals were on there. Dante Leon. Tell me what happened there, boys. What went down? Uh, I'll take this one because, uh, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll take it as being my countryman. But, uh, yeah, right. Liverpool, England, they are doing big things to kind of really develop the submission-only scene there in the UK. Grapple Fast, Grapple Fest, they're inviting um, every event, they're getting bigger and better international talent. And, uh, well, you can see the clip right here. You've got, uh, that's Ty, sorry, Cade Ruotolo up Cade. against uh, Jeremy Skinner of Absolute MMA in Australia. The diving dust, beautiful ridiculous. move. And, um, man, like this show, I'll just rattle off a couple of names who were there. Craig Jones uh, went up against Adam Wodzinski. Dante Leon had a match with Marcio Andre. Ty Ruotolo took on Tom Halpin. And Cade Rotolo took on Jeremy Skinner. Check out Dante's back take right here off the takedown attempt. Oof. And then this is not this is classic Dante, right? Off of the scramble. Works his way to the back. Single this leg, is the way I love that Dante yeah. works together, that 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 yeah. powerful wrestling with super technical modern jujitsu game. He he puts the two together, right? And uh yeah. he, that match ended up being a decision. That was a an eighty five kilogram match, although both guys are, are really 77 kilo guys if, if you're talking kind of like ADCC weight categories and Marcio Andre potentially I guess could even be 66 but um, yeah look, let's talk about some of the results it was a, it was a great event but Craig Jones uh, submitted Adam Wodzinski and you can here's, see it here Craig's this match right here. the rolling Kimura Beautiful. rolling thunder from down under right Craig Jones yeah. went out he did chance. exactly the same thing that he did to Tex Johnson at Kasai earlier this year in July did that diving Kimura over the top, but whereas he went to the back and he finished Tex, uh, he used it to go straight into this, um, what do you call it, reverse upside-down triangle. triangle. Uh, that was so triangle. sneaky, man. Like, he's he's looking like he's fully honed in on the arm there and then just cinches his legs together in a triangle. Very, very clever Double attack. attack. Yeah. Well, Double attack. Well, it's, well, it's, a little known fact that, it's a little known fact that Craig Jones tunes in and heard me say, be careful of the hook sweep and the butterfly guard of Adam Wardzinski. So he bypassed it, rolled over his shoulder, got the Kimura trap, got the reverse triangle and get the submission. So you're welcome, Craig Jones. I, I laid it out for you. Dude, the Ruotolos, too. The Ruotolos Darce attacks were ridiculous. We saw them threaten a couple close ones at ADCC and both of them were getting it after in this. They just got these long arms, man. They just die for those Darces. That, that Darce, the way he dove, he was in the guard, and he just basically jumped past the guard and hit a darts at the same time on uh, Jeremy Skinner. It was ridiculous. It really was, actually. I, I got to say, it's amazing the way that it's like that gets that full extension on like that uppercut kind of motion. It's, uh, it's so impressive. Really I think, cool. I think one of them should get the nickname Dalsim from Street Fighter. I don't know if you've <laughs> played that game, but uh, there really are few people more exciting and uh, prospects than the, the real Toll Bros. I mean, I think... They're just, 16. they're just beginning to to enter the, the, like their prime, you know, which is so terrifying. Like <laughs> they're growing now, and uh, a tie looks huge compared to when yeah. he was at ADCC. I mean, when his match with Wagner a couple weeks ago, I feel like you put on ten pounds since oh man, since I, September. I, yeah, I saw him walking around at a tournament just like a week before his match with uh, with with Wagner, and uh, yeah, he's he's chunky little boy you know he's uh he's he must be on that milk diet i think he's jacked but must be on that milk diet that's what it is oh my god but the the 88 kilogram division craig and adam they didn't actually move in uh in the weight division rankings but but craig did go up in the pound for pound from number 13 to number nine in the pound for pound nogi rankings right yeah yeah, i went over uh adams adams the quality win adam just won double gold at nogi europeans and uh has been doing good no gi this year. Uh, B Perez, whatever you think about the decision, he still beat him. 
So, uh, yeah, Craig moves up. I mean, Craig took second at ECC, but I think the big uh, ranking movement based off of Grapple Fest was uh, Ruth Tolos. Well, Cade enters. Uh, he's, like, in the teens now. But Ty, Ty moved up. I I, uh, I want to hear your guys' input on what I did with Ty at 66 kilograms, moving him over Paulo, who recently beat him at ADCC. I think it's fair, that, right? That, because yeah. uh, Paulo, uh, obviously, he did great at ADCC, but then... Paolo actually lost in the quarterfinals at the European Nogi Championships to Gabriel Souza, who is, you know, was nowhere to be seen at ADCC or is not really a big name on the on the Nogi circuit, right? I got yeah, yeah. I got to disagree with this move. You know, I think head to head wins are what count the most for rankings, in my opinion. And this is a recent match. You know, ADCC is not so long ago. Um, even if it was a close match, there's no denying that that tie brought brought the th- the heat to uh, to Paul in that match. But Paul ended up taking the win, and uh, I'm not sure that that justifies a move over Paulo. However, not totally this, egregious. This is, I don't hate you, Michael. This is a, this is the problem with head to head, though. Okay, because okay, what do you think about uh, Ty being ranked over Gabriel Souza? Hmm. That's that's where it gets because then Gabriel Souza beat Paulo. Paulo beat Ty, and then I, I think Ty's resume is a lot stronger than Gabriel. So everybody's got losses. Every you can just run around in a circle with these head-to-head. Ty, since ADCC, he's got this win over uh, Halpin, but he also, I mean, close to decision, but he's still got the W. You got to give him credit over Wagner Hosha, who took silver at ADCC. So oh, that's yeah. a good point. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm with you now. I'm with you. I hear well, you. In, the, in terms yeah. of the pound for pound, I got no problem with that ranking whatsoever. In terms of Ty being number three in the 66 kilo division over Paulo and over Gabriel Souza. Um, yeah, I think the easiest way to settle it is can we set up Tyro Rotolo versus Gabriel Souza? <laughs> Make can, them yeah, fight. Can we just set up matches with all these? <laughs> yeah, can we have can we have Nicholas versus Kynan again and more Rotolo matches, please? Yeah, more yeah. Rotolo but, matches, uh, absolutely. Yes, as much yeah. as possible. Cade, what, what what about Cade though? I mean, Ty's been getting all this credit because he's the one who did ADCC. Cade's just as good, and now Cade's getting out, out there in the adult super fight scene. I'm excited to see Cade get more more uh, super fights. No gee. I think there yeah. should be a rule where they're not allowed to fight at the same event so they can alternate weekends and we just get like a rule tolo every weekend forever. I think there should be a rule that <laughs> like like a lot of competitors, they have their name written on the back of their gi mm. or their rash guards so we know which one's which. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they're super right stars, or, or, Yeah, or one of them has to lose a tooth. One of them loses yeah. a front tooth. And then, uh, uh, yeah, that would help. But uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that these guys, I mean, the, the gi season's about to start. Do you think we see the rule tolos go back into the juvenile circuit, juvenile blue belt? I mean, yeah, I think we will because, to be honest, that's kind of their bread and butter, right? That's where they made yeah, their name, yeah. and I'm sure they'll continue to do that. But I hope that there are super fight opportunities for them somewhere, and I think that you know, fight to win will be a you know a great platform for them, and um, and maybe you know because Seth likes to mess around with the rules a little bit maybe he'll set up some blue versus purple maybe he'll even set up some blue versus brown I don't know but I think that it might be a step too far to start booking them with gi matches against black belts because you know let's have a little bit of respect for the belt system it exists in jiu-jitsu for a reason I think no gi we, we often kind of you know we put that to the side but in the gi let's not mess with it too much you know but uh, I'd love to see them take on some super fights with some increasingly more difficult opposition can't say I agree with no, that yeah, point of view at all, but but I'm I'm just one man. See, see you, Ricardo. Have fun. Yeah, no, no. Sorry, I was just gonna say before I head out. I agree with Hal. There's you know when there's no gi, there's no belts on. You know, BJ Penn used to say this, so I want to see more Rotolos against high level black belts. No gi. Welcome to the Rotolo era. See you later, guys. He's out. And with that, <laughs> yeah. he signs off. <laughs> <laughs>
Can you put I the glasses think we're gonna see a lot of like, drop moment. Re, yeah. I think we're gonna see a lot of Ruotolos versus uh, <laughs> Nicky Ryan over the years. Both of them. I think we're gonna we're gonna see those guys and Nicky. I hope so. Down probably 70, 77 kilograms for a while because they're. I hope so to see Nicky more in good. general. You but, know, Nikki, hey, yeah. Uh, which is wait there a second. What were you saying about the belt thing, though? You were saying that you don't agree with that. You don't agree that you know. I was saying about how blue belts should maybe not take on other belts, but you you don't agree. Well, not really. When you say that they shouldn't take on other black belts in the gi, but will happily promote them against the black belt no gi, I just find that to be a little arbitrary. If you if you saw two guys step onto the mat though, and you saw a blue belt versus a black belt, and we've seen this happen once in you know a blue moon here and there, and like some matches in Brazil and stuff, when it does happen, people tend to freak out, right? Because it just looks so wrong for like a, a competitive match between a black belt and a blue belt. Well, I'm an adult with big boy pants, and I, I notice that their skills are are on par with one another, and that's why when they do no gi, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I don't um, need to be given a signal with a belt color to know if someone's good enough. Um, and I think it makes compelling matchups. Now, that's fair. No hey. gi, I agree. No gi, I agree. But I got to say in the gi, you know what? I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever for a black belt to ever take a match against a blue belt. Why? Because it's a complete lose-lose. If he wins, of yeah. course he should have won. He's a black belt. He mm. shouldn't lose to a blue belt. If he loses, then that guy is going to instantly lose a massive amount of credibility, regardless of who the black belt, uh, sorry, regardless of who the blue belt was, and regardless of the level of opposition. If the black belt loses to a blue belt, it's like shame, you know, like just just burn your black belt right now because well, you're letting the side down. That might be a point of view that should be changed then, because it. I don't think that should exist. Um, I do agree. That's a total reality of the scenario at the moment. I mean. Um, in my opinion, though, you know, Wagner Rocha doesn't get any worse, any less credible by losing to Tyrell Tolo by decision at Fights to Win. He, his career Speaking remains. Speaking of Fight to Win. Speaking What's... of Fight to Win, we got to cover that one today, too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a big Fight to Win last weekend. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting derailed. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> either way, I think it's silly and arbitrary. Moving on because I'm the one that has the last say. Um, oh. <laughs> we did have Fight, fight to Win. 132 in Hawaii. Yeah, that was an amazing event. We had Gary Tonin take on Davi Ramos there in the in uh, the main event, and that was a firecracker match. Seth, I believe, said there were more submission attempts in that one than the entire event of Spider. I can't say I disagree. There was a lot going on there. What do you guys think about that? Oh man, it was a great match. I, uh, I it was interesting because it was 15 minutes, right? It was it was five minutes longer than uh, a normal fight to win match. And I think that really played out in Gary's favor. You saw Gary was able to outlast him. His cardio was just on point. Uh, the last five minutes is where Gary really took control. But, yeah, they were both attacking. I mean, any Gary Tona match is going to be crazy. And Davi Ramos, too. Davi Ramos is really exciting. So, yeah, I mean, he lived up to expectations for sure. Ryan, what did you think of that match? You, you're you a no-gi fan, right? Yeah. Um, actually, my, uh, my laptop just died, so I, c- I can't hear what you guys are saying right now. But you can hear me from over there. So what did you think of Davi Ramos versus, versus Gary Tona? Uh, it was a great match, man. I, you know, Gary's always a great guy to watch. He's one of my favorite competitors, uh, just for his style. And uh, yeah, I have to, I have hey, to go Caleb, back and uh, rewatch that particular match. But always love watching Gary. Sorry, I just Caleb, smashed my microphone. Can you run the video there. for that one? So I think we have a we have a Tonin uh, Tonin Ramos uh, clip, Caleb, for uh, asset on this one. Oh yeah, I want to see this because uh, this yeah. this match was freaking amazing. And uh, you know what? I'm gonna say one thing as well. We expected this match to be good, right? like just based on the the level of uh, of the two competitors but one thing that really really impressed me was the fact that Davi was fearless mm. and was going straight into those leg lock shootouts with Gary Tonon he was going after it he was 
totally unafraid of Gary's leg lock game. He was going for his own leg attacks. He was wrestling with him. You know, I, the ADCC champ. He shouldn't be afraid of anything. Absolutely. He was going for his flying armbar over the gut. He was doing everything. I think, you know, obviously the, the match played out. It was a decision after 15 minutes and, and conditioning was really the, the kind of the factor that led to Tonan taking this win. But, man, like like I said, fearless. Gary, Gary, Davi Hamas was just going forward, going head-to-head with Gary Tonon, and not many people do that, right? It takes a, a very special grappler to, to, to risk it and to go head-to-head with Gary Tonon because you know what an opportunistic, scrambly kind of guy he is, right? Yeah, Davi's another guy yeah. I'd love to see become more active in jiu-jitsu competition. You know, he's always so fun when, when he shows up. He's like uh, Adolfo, right? He's doing mm-hmm. the UFC thing, and, you know, man, I'd, yeah, I'd love to see him come back and be a bit more active in jiu-jitsu because he's one of those guys that I feel his absence. Yeah, right. I think, uh, you know, Davi's fighting the UFC and everything, and I think... You see, these are the type of guys who are going to... You see a lot of jiu-jitsu guys right now are sort of scared of uh, Gary and Gordon and Nogi matches uh, to to exchange with them. Uh, I think, you know, somebody who's like that is fighting the UFC. He's he's down for whatever. I think Davi Ramos is going to go out there and, and bring it whenever. He had a great guard retention, too. Right? Look at that off of that knee slide attempt. And, uh, yeah, man, this this was an awesome match. Get, uh, Gary with a bunch of rolling Kimura attempts, a bunch of knee slide attempts, front headlock stuff, but wasn't able. I mean, Davi scrambled out of everything, and I think it was just the amount of time is what ended up playing in Gary's favor to get to that back take at the end. You know, I cut together a little highlight of, uh, or I say a little highlight, I cut together a highlight of this match. Uh, Not the one that's playing right now. This is an even more condensed highlight, but I took the 15-minute match and I made a highlight of it, just the best bits. And the match, the, the highlight was eight minutes long. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I watched that this morning. Was, yeah, it's great. And, an uh, eight-minute yeah, highlight just goes to show how much actually happened in it. But I mean, I don't know. If he'd had ten more seconds, I think Gary could have finished that because he literally had the fully locked-on strangle, as John Danaher likes to call it, mm. but the rear naked choke. He had it locked on just as the bell went right there. Fight yeah, to win one thirty-two. Also saw Michael Liera submit the very durable and tough Jake Watson, uh, moving him to number nine. I think we have. Look at uh, this long step. He just gets he gets the grips and just keeps spamming these long steps till he finishes it. Just eventually gets the head and and uh, yeah, Lear I think is like four and zero or five and zero now in fight to win. He's really doing good in that promotion. And now uh, he told you guys that he wants to compete more and more in fight to win as well, right? Yeah, he uh, said he likes the rule set and he he wants to. He told me in Denver he wants to he wants to do as many fight to wins as he can this year. So it's looking really good for him. Hey, make some money, you know, improve your record, move up in the rankings. There's no uh, no losing that situation okay, for Liera. Man, look how long that. Jake Watson's legs yeah. are. Like, yeah, no wonder he's got to spam that long step because every <laughs> time you step, there's another leg. Yeah. <laughs> Take, takes the back here, uh, Liera Bridges. Uh, I mean, Watson Bridges, Liera... Uh, Back steps to get to the back and then finishes with a bow and arrow choke here. It's pretty cool, actually, because, uh, you know, we mentioned that, that, that Michael here is super active in the uh, in the fight to win now. And, you know, he's he's been out there a lot and hopefully we're going to see more of that. But uh, Jake Watson as well, man, obviously first year black belt. He's putting himself out there, right? Uh, you know, Jake is um, normally a, a middle heavy, but he's uh, he's also just looking to get those reps and to compete as much as off uh, as much as possible in, in the fight to win circuit as well. I think this is smart because you know Liera has been on the scene what good three years now, four years as a black belt, right? He's is been that out all? there. I think it's been longer. I don't know. Yeah, potentially, but he's uh, you know he's he's literally a world class black belt. Um, it's great that he's trying something different by doing fight to win, but credit to Jake Watson as well because he's obviously. He's uh he's looking to he's looking to build that experience and no better way than to go up and take these matches. Guys are running. He's a got another sh- one coming up. He's got Hibimar coming up too on fight to win. 
Oh, wow. That'd be uh, Fresno, yeah. uh, December 7th. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to be good. Don't forget AJ Agazan versus Ari Farias on that one as well. Is that the final fight to win of the year? It is the final fight to win of the year. Yeah, yeah it's the final fight. I like that. Final fight. Did, there you, ever, it is. did you ever play that video game? Final um, fight? No, I can't say I have. Are oh, you too young for that one? It was like coin art. Uh, it was a night. It was an eighties. Uh, I think it was an eighties coin art arcade game, and it was freaking awesome. Nice. All right, guys, we have just Don't a few more minutes here. Go, no, keep going. Let's keep going. We good? Okay. Then. All, right. All right. What do you want right. to? What do you move on to? Third Coast Grappling. We got Third Coast Grappling. Our final uh, agenda or topic on the agenda here. Of course, that's Gordon Ryan versus Bo Nickel in the main event. Bo is a Extremely decorated wrestler here. I think we have an asset we can play to show off some of his skills. I got to say, uh, not my domain, but Michael, you might have some info for me here. Yeah, who, who is Bo Nickel? Who is Bo Nickel? Uh, I mean, very, very high-level wrestler. Three-time NCAA champ. Went 123 with like 60 pins at Penn State. So ridiculous career there. Uh, he won the Hodge Trophy, which is it's like the MVP of the entire season one year. So one person in college wrestling gets it every year. He won the Hodge Trophy. And since then, he's, he's on the international scene now, and he just won under 23 worlds of freestyle at uh, 92 kilograms. So very athletic. He's a very exciting wrestler. Uh, hits a and lot he's of, a pinner uh, as well, right? Off the wall stuff. Yeah, yeah, big time pinner. I mean, it, 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 his last couple of years in college was just ridiculous. He, he was just toying with people, basically. So, I mean, this is, you know, Gordon's going up against one of the best wrestlers that the country has. And, uh, I mean, one of the best in the world. And, I mean, Gordon can't pull guard. So unless he just does a kind in from ADCC and just gives up the takedown on purpose, I mean, he's give, well, he's going to get taken down most likely. I mean, it'd be very surprising if Gordon takes him down. But once it gets down there, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, I have no idea. None of us have any idea. Bo Nickel putting the hooks in right there. Yeah, there's a back take yeah. right there. <laughs> so he's a leg rider yeah. as well, huh? Yeah, throwing, throwing in the legs right there. So, uh, yeah. Hey, let me ask you something. To see how it goes. Let, let me ask you something, Mike. There was a lot of talk um, between Gordon Ryan and Pat Downey, right? Mm, after yeah, Pat yeah. Downey had that hybrid wrestling rules match with uh, with Nick Rodriguez after ADCC, uh, everybody was talking about, well, Pat was saying about how he wanted to come and he wanted to try and have a crack at Gordon. Is Bo Nickel a tougher match for Gordon than Pat Downey? Uh, as far as like the wrestling skills it's it's a whole nother level i believe they've they've wrestled before in freestyle i believe and i want to say that that bo tech them i might be wrong there but bo Nickel, sorry lost my, you see, my this, uh, this is the problem with cauliflowerias right mike your earbuds they yeah. do earbuds keep falling out you need to get you yeah, some got, big I, cans dude <laughs> I, I gotta get something so my and, and the side with my really bad cauliflowers where the mic is too but uh yeah uh no, Bo Nickel's wrestling uh, accomplishments compared to Downey Arnie. I mean, Downey's no no joke. Downey uh, won two or three matches at Worlds this year. But, I mean, comparing their domestic success, Bo Nickel's on a whole other level. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's a marquee matchup. And I just think it's really interesting because we have no idea what's going to happen when it gets to the ground, what Bo Nickel's game is going to be look like. I mean, he's, he's an elite athlete. It's going to be hard to sweep for sure. But, Will uh, you guys I mean, hear Gordon the rules as well them. about what they're going to use for this? Yeah, so it seems like the rules will um, favor the grappler or the jiu-jitsu athlete, I should say, because there's no guard pulling. However, the wrestler must engage Gordon on the ground in this case. Right, and also Gordon does have uh, some limitations, though. He's not allowed to use leg locks. Mm. I think that'll be okay. I think um, I think Bo, if I had to make a prediction, will expose his back at some point. You know, a lot of a lot of shots uh, wrestlers use open that up and that's not a normal counter for them so i think that might be what what happens there but who knows what gordon wants to try gordon often enters tournaments uh with specific goals in mind that's a really good point actually yeah and so i'm curious to see what he wants to do 
because a few times that I people can... uh when they made criticisms of him being just a leg lock guy he went out and he purposely uh showed off his back attack system and you know then he wanted to go and he wanted to use something else so it's a it, it is a kind of a little bit of a um a, a, a puzzle right it's like what exactly does gordon want to achieve in this match because if he just goes out and if he just catches a quick guillotine and and, and taps out bone nickel everybody's going to be like yeah of course you know but gordon's not that guy gordon likes to make a point when he competes so what is that point what is he thinking of i, I can see a kimura trap i could definitely see a kimura trap off a, a shot too get something fancy going off of that but, uh, yeah, and then also on that card, we have some other interesting matchups. Hamilo, yeah, surprisingly, coming out for a super fight against Jake Shields. Yeah, no-gi match, right? I love this. Man, yeah. Homolo is one of the most respected guys in the game. Yeah, I, I think everybody likes Homolo. He's probably much a universally loved figure in the sport. Uh, no-gi match with Jake Shields. That's not an easy match. That's a very tough match. Right? Um, you know, Jake often plays a little bit more conservative, um, likes to play on top. And, you know, I, I, that's that's a really hard match because I feel like it's – a brick wall when you face Jake Shields. It's really tough to do anything to him, and um, I'm curious to know what what, what strategy Homolo is going to employ there. Well, originally, Homolo was in for ADCC, right? Remember how he right. he got invited to the 99 kilogram division? Um, then he decided, like, just nah, leave it for the young guys, right? But he still got it though. Apparently, he still crushes people in the gym. I have um, no doubt. I mean, we've I, seen of Worlds, Road to Worlds in the Gi. You know, he was training with everyone and. He was definitely one of the scariest people on the mat. <laughs> very friendly, very yeah. nice, but terrifying all the same. He loves it as well, right? I think Homolo, he's one of those guys that you see him and you see some great training footage from inside his gym. And uh, he's just on the mats every day going head-to-head -head with these guys and uh, keeps him young, right? He's, uh, oh, he's a workhorse guys. for sure. You know, I yeah. follow him on Instagram and he is, if he's not flying somewhere, he's, he's lifting weights, he's in the sauna, he's training, he's teaching seminars and, of course, promoting Everyday Pohada as well. I mean... The dude's a machine, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing him compete again. It's always always a pleasure. Hell yeah! Speaking of machines, you got Gilbert Gilbert Burns is on this one too. Dorino, this guy's just always competing all over the place. This is a gee gee matchup now. Him and Edwin Najmi, another exciting one. All right, big question. All right, can I ask you this? No, Edwin, Edwin in the gee. Uh, based on what you saw last weekend, um, you know he was there competing in Spider, uh, going up against somebody like Dorino. Mm. Very different match to his match with Mateus Gabriel. How do you see this one going? Well, I got to say, Dorino, I think, is is a better challenge for Edwin in this case. You know, he's not as regular of a competitor in the gi. His game's a little bit more old school than Mateus. Um, I thought Edwin actually looked really good versus Mateus. You know, he didn't win that match, but he showed some great jiu-jitsu, some great defensive skills. You know, Mateus almost had his back, and, and Edwin really worked hard to avoid uh, getting those points scored and to avoid any dangerous submission attacks. You know, he was right there throughout that entire match. It was very close. So I think Dorino um, is going to fit right into Edwin's wheelhouse. I think he'll be a, a little bit more manageable than Mateus, who is just, you know, a world champion. I think Dorino is a problem for him. Remember Jaime Canuto against Edwin a few weeks ago in the gate? That's true. I right. think it's going to be Edwin on the bottom. And, and, I mean, is he going to be able to retain his guard against Dorino? Dorino's a really aggressive guy. But, uh, yeah, I think Dorino might be a problem for him in this matchup. No, it's we were talking about this with Gary Tonon and, and Davi Hamos about how uh, Davi is one of those guys that, you know, it's nice to see him back in the, in, you know, competing in, in grappling tournaments and stuff, even though he's an active UFC fighter. Dorino is the exception that he is the, the active UFC guy who never left grappling, mm. right? He's always been around. Gi, no gi, doesn't matter. If he's not fighting MMA, he's fighting 
in a grappling tournament and sometimes like just a week apart you know he'll he'll have had a ufc fight and then he's like oh i got a free weekend next weekend let's go compete in the grappling let's do this man. let's do that man yeah freaking dude. love that about him guys like like Dorino, uh davi ramos uh bo nickel these guys are just gangsters man they just whatever they just show up put it on the line i love it you know they're not trying to protect their i mean these guys could be like you know i'm in the ufc i'm just gonna focus on that and, and protect my rep and not take these game matches anymore and they're putting it on the line i really respect it it's really cool i hope yeah, more guys all rule sets i mean dorino has been on what kasai he's been uh now on thurko's grappling fight he's done to win. Only on polaris he's done everything yeah and uh he comes out on top most of the time there so very dangerous opponent do not sleep on Dorino. both these guys were on the last third coast grappling earlier this year as well edwin had uh, a nogi match with gianni grippo and Dorino uh went up against marcelo let me get this pronunciation right Urepuru, i think it is <laughs> i'm glad uh, you said that yeah it's a really tough one but he's a uh, gracie baja guy and um yeah that was a gi match so it's uh, it's interesting now that they're both going to be in the gi uh, back on third coast grappling december 7th uh from houston texas we're going to be there I yeah can't wait cannot one. wait you know it's always a always an affair when golden gordon ryan's on the card it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks for us yeah. as we build up to that yeah. That's another wild weekend, too, because we got AJ versus Ari Farias that weekend, too. So I'm sure we'll be able to get to that one a little bit next week. Gordon and AJ competing in the same weekend. It's going to be an interesting week on our Instagram. And you know what I'm going to be doing? As he drops off the screen. I'm going to be doing this because the thing that I love about the Flow Sports app is that I can take it with me wherever I go. So what I can do is I can just punch up wherever we are, the live experience... And I can literally be sat mat side. Oh, look at uh, that. A glitch can, in the matrix there. I can be sat mat side watching, say, Jake Shields up against Homolo and Gordon versus Bo Nickel. And I can also be live streaming from wherever I am, from the power of the internet. I can be watching Ari Farias versus AJ Agazama at the same time. There you have it, folks. How I, I don't think you'll ever be hired to be a, a spokesperson <laughs> uh, for someone else, but. I do appreciate the enthusiasm. The app is sick. It is super it is. reliable. I think best even, kept secret about Flow Grappling. Yeah, yeah. If you guys don't have the app, and you can also access all of our other uh, uh, channels there, like Flow Wrestling, for example, Flow Combat, and so on. Whatever you guys' interests are. But uh, I think that takes us up to the bell here. It's been an amazing episode of Who's Number One, Number Five in the books. We'll bring it back to you guys next Wednesday. It's every Wednesday at 11 a.m. EST. Uh, Michael, thanks for calling in there from down in Rio. Ryan, charge yeah. that laptop. We'll see you next week. <laughs> and how I got to get something that fits my ears. I got to get yeah. a uh, get some sticky tape. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, put some put some athletic tape over it. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Well, thanks guys for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Who's Number One. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh